Every crossword you've ever encountered on a plane. I finish them. Yeah. I also just say crosswood. Crosswood. <laughs> this is just between us, a podcast about brutal honesty, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice. Have you ever seen me finish one so fast and then been kind of worried about me? No, I think it's awesome. Oh, okay. Sometimes I'm like, is this normal? Um, I actually don't understand how to do crosswords. Really? Well, because the clues are not normal clues. Like, there's a special oh, no. crossword language that I don't understand. Yes, they're trying to, uh, it, they're clever. They're trying to get you. Yeah. I had a math teacher at boarding school who created crosswords. Like, as a hobby? Uh-huh. How do you get to do that? I think you have to just be, like, so smart. That man was so smart and just teaching idiots. But he was a math teacher? Yeah. I and he did like, crosswords? He has a man of a lot of talents. Yeah, what a jack of all trades. Yeah, I had to eventually, I was kicked out of his class because I wasn't smart enough. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was in BC Calc and they were like, you should be in AB Calc. And I was like, no problem. What, was he mean? Um, he was like intimidating, but not mean. My math teacher was super mean. Re- every year or just one in particular? Oh, I went to a very small school. So you had the e- same math teacher every year? Yes. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? My graduating class, mm-hmm. 35 kids. Oh, my God. I never knew it was that small. Oh, yeah. And I and uh, I wasn't liked. So <laughs> it was like a small group. But it was bad because let's say you didn't get along with one particular teacher. Then you had to still have that teacher. Wow. So it was like this woman hated me. And then I would just be like, see you next year. <laughs> I had the same Latin teacher for many, many years. We met him. Yeah. He came to our book event in Los Angeles. It was so sweet. I know. So when you get like a really good teacher, like for all you teachers out there, when you're like for a all really you teachers out there. Yeah, when you're like a really good teacher, I mean, you be part of that person's life forever, you make an impact, you're like wonderful. And when you're a bad teacher, you really fuck kids up forever. I'm not a hundred percent sure on the accuracy of this, but I think that a teacher once taped my mom's mouth shut. <gasps> I know. And that shit was legal back then. And now she won't tell me anything. It's hard to get her to talk. See, the teacher <laughs> it, did that to o- her. It overcorrected. And the teacher did that to her. No, she will talk, but she won't talk about her own life, which is an ongoing issue we have. It's just very important for teachers to not set precedents like that, where now Allison's mom won't ever talk about herself. Thank you. Thank you. You know, whoever you are, you're probably dead, but fuck you. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad. (laughs) Uh, We have a very exciting episode for you this week where we won't wish harm on anyone else. (laughs) Um, Uh, We're talking to Eva Sweeney. We're going to be asking her some tough questions. And later on, we'll be talking all about comedy and PC culture because you know that's a conversation people are dying to have. Oh, my God. (laughs) But first, hit it. International Quest. Ariana, WA, Australia. Ariana's question is sort of about a fear of being alone. She writes, I'm a 25-year-old woman, and I've never been in a romantic relationship. It never used to get me down, but lately all of my friends are coupling up or getting engaged or married, and I'm beginning to feel very lonely. The fear of ending up alone is getting harder to ignore. I know men like me. The concern is that I'll never find a man I truly like. Mm. I try to date, but I lose interest quickly. 
I want to fall in love. My skepticism is really preventing this. I would like some advice. Is there something fundamentally wrong with me? How do I meet men that genuinely interest me? How do I stop seeing myself as superior to men and therefore refrain from viewing them as nothing more than good-for-nothing nuisances? <laughs> have I lost my chance at finding a genuine, stable partner? Or even how do I get over this fear as it's causing me quite a bit of anxiety? Okay, I'm going to say something controversial. Okay. Have you considered lesbianism? Okay, I didn't know if I was allowed to bring that up. I'm so curious if maybe Ariana just isn't romantically interested in men. Because I don't... I don't want to, like, scare you, Ariana, but, like, there's this narrative of, like, oh, my God, I've known since I was, like, a kid. I've known since I was whatever. A lot of my friends haven't come out until much later in life. So there's no pressure to be, like, if I didn't know uh, at 18 or, you know, 17, there's no way that I could possibly be queer. However, I'm, I'm... You're straight, Allison. Yes. Do you see yourself as superior to men and therefore view them as nothing more than good-for-nothing nuisances? I plead the fifth. Okay, okay, but nothing no, more I mean, than... No, no, I mean, I understand why it is difficult to be a straight woman in 2019, because men are extremely problematic. Oh, it sounds horrible. And um, I have said time and again that I try to interact with as few men as possible. Mm-hmm. But that said, I I am I live with a man. I love my father very much. Our manager is a man. Uh, our sound engineer is a man. We have a, you know, I have a lot of great male friends. So, no, but I, I understand this feeling of, like, men in general being problematic. I don't understand what her sexual feelings are towards men. And so that's why it's hard for me to fully give advice on this Yeah, topic. like, do you want to, you, you don't actually like them. But do you, do you want to fuck them? Right. I just also want to point out uh, to Ariana that I, I am proud of you, a positive. I am proud of you because it is good to not just date someone who likes you and you don't like them. I'm mm-hmm. so glad you know that. I'm so glad you're aware of that. I'm so glad you have that in your mind. What I what I don't like is that this question of is something wrong with me? No. And also just keep in mind that you're 25. You know, absolutely. Like that's really young. Very few people have like met their long term partner at that age. The 20s are the decade for friendship. Yeah. You know, so just because you're not in a romantic relationship doesn't mean that you have to feel alone. Maybe it's about being more you know, platonically intimate with your friends and relying on them more and letting them feel more like your family. Mm -hmm. I think, like, the bigger thing is figuring out how you don't feel alone and how you don't judge yourself for this situation. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's... Okay, uh, there's a chance that you are afraid of intimacy Mm -hmm. and that that could be part of why when you, like, start to date someone, you stop liking them and think they're a nuisance. (laughs) Yeah, because you don't want you. They want to get to know you, and you're like, ugh, why? And that's scary. And so then your like f- f- fight or flight responses to like run away. And I then relate to that. To explain why you run away, you're like, well, they're an idiot. Yeah, I relate to that. So if that's if that's what's going on, you know, which is something you have to like really dig into yourself to see, and that's something you need to work through and like go to therapy, and it's just an attachment issue, and that's a thing a lot of people face, mm-hmm. and it's something you can get over. Yeah, read about attachment theory. But if it's just truly like you are open to you know being intimate with someone and you just haven't found that person that's okay and like take that pressure off of yourself i hadn't found my person when i was 25 and believe me every single day i said i'm gonna be alone forever yeah you have not lost your chance at finding a stable partner there's no such thing as losing your chance but i also want to say like there is a world in which maybe you are aromantic or asexual i was gonna say that too like that could also be a thing which like maybe you feel a societal pressure to couple up because 
uh, in a traditional way because of the way that you're seeing your friends couple up. Uh, people who are aromantic and asexual absolutely are in relationships and absolutely absolutely do date. But maybe you just are, maybe that's something to explore for yourself because you're like, well, why doesn't the way I want to date look like the way that my friends want to date? Can you just explain aromantic versus asexual? Oh, sure. Um, aromantic is like you're not interested in any kind of romantic relationship. You you have partners maybe, but like it's sort of either like a platonic companionship. And then asexual is like, where you're just not as driven like by sex or you're not interested as much in in sex and those people also are in relationships. It's kind of two different things. But I just think there's you should examine your heterosexuality or you should examine uh, like what do you – like make a list, right? Like what do you actually want from a partner? What do you mm-hmm. actually think would ideally be the best situation? It could just be like, I would like to go to the movies with someone. Mm-hmm. I would like to have someone um, who, like, brings me coffee in the morning. Whatever it is. Like, what are you looking for? Like, if the issue is that she just doesn't like any men and she feels superior to men, then, you know, look, is there anyone in your life who's male, potentially a paternal figure or a mentor or a friend who you do like and you do respect, then maybe, you know spend more time with them or really think about them and their values and and show that they're kind of like that they're breaking this idea you have of men in general you know I think when you're thinking of men in general it's very easy to put them all in the same box but maybe like go through your life and your interactions with people on a daily basis and you know if like the cashier at 7-Eleven if you have that in Australia is like a nice friendly guy like be like okay well he seems okay not to date but just to sort of like break down your idea that all men are bad true yeah and to to make them individuals rather than a lumped in group exactly I also think like uh, yeah it could be a self-protection thing too like a thing where you don't want to ever get hurt Mm -hmm. but you're gonna have to get hurt yeah, and honestly, you're feeling hurt right now and feeling alone. So mm-hmm. you just experiment and see what works and put yourself out there. And and also don't force anything and don't rush anything and take away the judgment on yourself because you don't need to have that. What if she's not finding anyone interesting because she's not doing any interesting stuff? Like what if oh, you I joined – said because she lives in Australia. No, no, I, no, no. I just mean like what if she like joined like a club for something she really liked oh, or yeah, that's like started advice. like going to like – Magic the Gathering or joined like a a, a gym or whatever like di- or or be started doing like hobbies or going to things that she really enjoyed midnight movies whatever and then she could meet people there that like share her interests that she might actually find interesting yeah if, if it's like some dude at your office you're gonna be like Meh. but you know what I mean but if it's like oh I've gotten really into skydiving oh wow I met another guy skydiving we're both so interesting because we love skydiving or whatever. Maybe even through volunteering because that's going to probably bring about men who are more aware of the world and not as um, self-important. Yeah, so I would like – I would maybe volunteer and maybe like look into local politics, you know, like, you know, explore the types of places where you would want the men that you would date to be a part of. Yes, you'll find them where where you would want them to be. Wow, that's oh, that's such really a good, good idea. Advice. Yeah, I think we solved it. I think so too. If you want us to completely solve your complicated problem, <laughs> send an international question to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Next up, we're going to talk to disability activist Eva Sweeney all about cerebral palsy and her work as a sex educator. Ooh, just between us. Hey. 
just between us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week we have disability activist and sex educator Eva Sweeney here with us in the studio. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's start out by explaining what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, Eva okay. brought an aide with her. Do you want to introduce yourself? Well, hi, my name is Cameron. I'm Eva Sweeney's assistant. I help her just with whatever she needs because, and because she's nonverbal, I'm going to be being, um, well, I'm going to be voicing whatever Eva wants to say. So for a lot of the podcast, I'm going to be reading some pre-written answers that mm-hmm. Eva wrote up. But for anything else, uh, you might hear me spelling from her letterboard. Yeah, so Cameron acts as Eva's voice, basically. Uh, and we'll get, like, further into that as we explain, like, how that actually works. Um, but, yeah, so let's explain, like, what uh, CP is and how it affects you. And then we can get into, like, what how Cameron fixes the nonverbal issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, cerebral palsy is a disability that occurs at birth. It is from a lack of oxygen to the brain, which causes brain damage to the area that deals with fine motor skills. Everyone with CP is different, but for me, it means I cannot walk, so I use a wheelchair, and I'm nonverbal, so I use a letter board to communicate. I also have assistants who help me with daily tasks like eating, driving, typing, going to the bathroom, and so on. And our next question that we so professionally typed up. (laughs) Uh, We just kind of wanted to know, like, what drew you to becoming a sex educator as a disabled person? Um, For example, was it a lack of resources and information or representation you experienced personally? Sort of what was the motivation behind that? When I was a little baby queer, I was looking for resources about how to integrate my sexuality and my disability, and I found zero. When I called different disability organizations, I was often laughed at or hung up on. When I called queer organizations, they were more welcoming, Mm -hmm. but they still didn't have any useful information to me, for me. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) Uh, So I wrote a hand guide called Queers on Wheels and began giving workshops around the country on sex and disability. That's awesome. So, right, so... I think the assumption is that, like, there's a a desexualization of people with disabilities, right? Yes. And I think, like, that's something that comes up that's surprising. Like, you're wearing your hat for Cripping Up Sex, which is your your, uh, website and, like, the work that you do, right? Yeah. And I think there's, like, this thing where people think that people with disabilities are not sexual at all. Or should – or just should not have sex. Mm. Yeah. yeah, what's your response to that? Or what do you... It is BS. <laughs> <laughs> I think that myth is because people want us to be easy to take care of mm-hmm. and owning your sexuality gives you power Mm. i guess like what are some of them you know since you've started this work that obviously was needed because it didn't exist anywhere (laughs) else you know what were some of the most common sex questions you get asked and and what are your answers to them uh well my least favorite and most commonly asked Mm -hmm. sex question is what sex toy do you recommend for people with disabilities Now, I love talking about sex toys, but the reason I hate this question is because there's simply 
is not like one single toy to rule them all. <laughs> right. Um, it's not going to work for everyone all the time forever. Other questions are like, how do you talk to your partner about your disability? Or what should I do if I need to bring an assistant on a date? And the answer to both of these things is just honest, straightforward communication. I love that. That's yeah. just advice for everyone about everything. I know. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you do, like, w- like you do, I think, review different sex toys for disability, yes, right? Because I yes. know there's a lot of, wh- what are some, like, ones that are are particularly good, let's say, for someone like you? Well, my personal favorite is the magic wand. Because it it's so big, so you don't have to be specific about where you place it. Yeah. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. Totally. And then what do you say to people about, like, bringing aids on dates or bringing, like, if you, you know, if you need to bring an aid, like, to help in the bedroom and stuff like that? Just just talk to your partner before the date. Obviously, you don't want to show up and be like, hey, here's this random person. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I also have a, a code for my aides. Yes. Uh, so, when, like, me talking as Cameron when I'm on a date with uh, Eva or not. You know what I mean. Yeah, you're, you're accompanying. You're chaperoning. When I am company, chaperoning. No. <laughs> Just kidding. When you're, when, you're co- when you're chaperoning to make sure Jesus is between them. Yes, of course. Um, there is a code for when Jesus needs to leave the room. Um, yes. Can we hear the code or well, is it top it's basically, secret? There's like a little semicolon on her board um, that obviously... <laughs> I, I've always wanted to know what the point of a semicolon was yeah exactly now, now we know now there's a point yeah <laughs> and so eva can point at it and be like get the fuck out <laughs> exactly so i'll just go and take like a long walk or spend way too long in the bathroom or something so they can just like have time to get to know each other one-on-one and like that way i mean like i'm there to help you with like eating and drinking so somebody doesn't have to take that on mm-hmm. on the first date like it's so you can get to know somebody yeah and then you there's a point where obviously if it's going well you really want to get to know them a little more without me around so <laughs> yeah uh, so you have a, a long-term partner right or I don't know how long yes I, I yeah, hear yeah, there's yeah. a cute um, a cute backstory to that oh yeah we'd love for you to Let share me, yes okay so uh, my partner and I met on tinder I honestly just joined Tinder one night because I was bored and I really didn't think I would find anyone there. I identify as butch and like people that are more masculine of center. But that's Same. Re- yeah, but that's really hard to find <laughs> in LA. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> there are no butches on Tinder. It is bullshit. It is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um So, yeah, that's super hard to find in L.A. for whatever fucking reason. Um, So I was just, like, swiping on Tinder, and I matched with my current partner. And we started as just, like, a hookup. uh, Yeah, weren't you kind of just like, this is casual? Yes. This is It was just fucking. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Um, But three and a half later, here we are. Oh, three and a half years later. (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, three and a half later. Days, weeks, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. No, three and a half years later, you guys are still doing stuff and more than just hooking up for sure. Yeah. Um, But it's really cute. That's the story everyone wants to hear about Tinder. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That it just starts out. it can turn into something beautiful long term. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
exactly. How did you get to like what at what point were you just like, oh, you know what? We should be really dating. Um Z came over and was like so <laughs> we uh we are we're dating, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> ah! And were you, were you, did you want that to happen or were you like? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, you were point, like yes. blindsided, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I love that. Was there a, like a learning curve when you started dating your partner? Yes. I used to be of the mentality that my partner should absolutely never, for no reason, help me Mm. with any of my personal care. Yeah. I have seen people with disabilities have their partners become their primary assistant, and it can create, like, a sense of burden and ruin a relationship if you're not careful. So I didn't want that to happen to me. But over the years, I've slowly but surely let my partner help, like, more and more with things. Z's not my primary assistant by any means. But when we want more alone time together, we are able to take it out now. We are able to take it now because I have let here help me more and more. This was a learning curve primarily for me because my partner was always open to helping, but I had to overcome my stipulations in order to let here. I still kind of struggle with this, but I have to come. I have come a long way since I first met my partner. Oh, I love that. Oh, I mean, it's vulnerable. It's mm-hmm. like just. It's like how oh, anybody yeah. else is just like allowing vulnerability. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know this is backtracking a little bit, but the the letterboard thing. I don't know if we explained it. But, like, so you created this letterboard system. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so can you explain, like, visually what, what we're looking at, like, the laser pointer and the whole thing? So basically the laser pointer is attached to her hat. Yeah. Uh, and because uh, because I have more good, like, head dexterity and movement and stuff, so that's, like, the easiest part of her body to to move around Mm -hmm. and point stuff with. Yes. Um, And she just uses the laser pointer to point at letters and words on a letter board, Mm -hmm. and I just say it out loud. Um, I actually created this system when I was 16. Um, Most people would point with their fingers or whatever, and most people use high-tech devices as well. So, you know, like Stephen Hawking. And um, that just didn't really work because a lot of times, um, like, with that kind of system, you kind of have to sit and wait Mm -hmm. for the person Mm -hmm. to type out Mm -hmm. the whole sentence and press play and then respond Mm -hmm. to the person. And Mm -hmm. the whole time, the other person's just like, Mm -hmm. okay, one day there'll be a response and then I can reply. It's just, wait, this is a way more engaging. It's also expensive. Those things are expensive. Very much so. This is, like, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the only thing you're paying for is batteries for your laser pointer. But this is, this, like, as you can see, like, when I'm reading out loud, it's just so much more engaging. I'm constantly engaged, and I'm actually able to predict stuff that you're saying. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm not putting words in your mouth, because you'll be like, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And uh, people can learn really quickly learn it really Mm -hmm. quickly yeah it's very um very intuitive yeah Uh, i was shocked by how fast after we met i was predicting 
what you were smelling out. Yeah, exactly. It was like know? within like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It really does not take long to uh, get used to. And I've known you for three years and I'm, I whip through it. But like, and people are like, whoa, but it's, <laughs> it really does not take that long to get to that level. But um, you guys, uh, you worked as a, you've worked as a consultant on ABC Speechless, right? And, yes. and the character there used a similar board. Yeah, Speechless was just in general like a really cool experience for me. Way before Speechless got picked up by ABC, the creator of the show, Scott Silvery, was meeting with different people with disabilities uh, because from the beginning he wanted the show to accurately portray people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And someone said he should get in touch with me. We had coffee together one day, and as soon as he saw my letterboard and, like, the chemistry dynamic between my assistant and myself, he immediately changed the script by adding the assistant character, played by Cedric Yarborough, mm-hmm. and changed JJ's communication system from a high-tech device uh, to my personal communication system, which, like I said, I invented. Which so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. And when I became an official consultant on the show, I answered questions, read scripts, met with the writers, and sat in on table readings. I'm really proud about how that show came out, and I'm honored to have been a part of it. Wow. That is awesome. I bet the actor who played the aide is very thankful to you, too. <laughs> uh, he loves me. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, said he said that uh, many, many times and that he wouldn't have a job without me. Because <laughs> so, yeah. I, like, I remember you were saying that when you thought of the idea, you just, like, told your mom, like, can, can you get me a laser pointer? Exactly. Um, because I used to use my hands and you know obviously none of you can see your hands but it just doesn't work nearly as well yeah uh, <laughs> so it was just imprecise. a lot a lot a lot slower too yeah for sure um can you say some of the funny ones that are on the board oh yeah you've got your custom uh like <laughs> meow and cool and and i was like and Fuck and oy. Well, actually, the fuck. The I fuck j- is just. It's just the curse symbols. Asterisk. So, yeah. like, I kind of like fill in the blank depending yeah, on the context. Whatever, yeah. yeah, whatever yeah. curse it is. Exactly. <laughs> but it's <laughs> the meow was whatever. the one that made me laugh so hard because it's kind of like, a, isn't it like a sexy like a meow? Yeah, you definitely <laughs> use it like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're not just like, I'm a cat. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, and then there's exactly, and we actually recently. Recently added Z here because the you may have heard earlier that uh, those are the pronouns of mm-hmm. uh, Eva's partner. Um, so it's, and obviously this board did not come with those neo pronouns. <laughs> oh, I'm shocked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it just makes it a lot easier in a sentence yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. to use those. But those are those are pretty much it. Uh, what what are like some of the ways that able bodied people can be better ally- allies to disabled people, either politically or interpersonally? Well, honestly, just listen to us. Don't assume you know what we want or need. Uh, And questions, of course, if they're respectful, are awesome. I know able-bodied people don't get much experience interacting with disabled people because of the way society is just structured. So I don't blame them for not knowing something, but assuming is never a good idea. And this goes really both politically and interpersonally. Mm -hmm. 
You mentioned like being careful with like what questions people ask you. Like, what are some questions that are on the no no list? Well, don't just be like, "How many have sex?" You know, like <laughs> yeah. to why? some random stranger on the street. If God. you're not like, why are you interested? Like, what's exactly. the deal? Is you that know, a come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, another question is like, <laughs> if my partner is my parent. You know, like oh, I'm out on a God. date, oh. you know, <laughs> we're on a date and like some middle-aged lady, it often is a middle-aged lady, sure. um, went up, like went up to my partner and said how cute here's kid was referring to me. Um, and that was hilarious, but also just shows that people really don't think people with disabilities date. Mm-hmm. Also, when strangers ask me how to have sex, just like, just no. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, look, it's going to take me a while to spell it out on my board. It's yeah. going to be very uncomfortable for both of us. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about, yeah, we brought up earlier, like, you're in your mid-30s. You're like, what, you had your birthday, you're 37, 36? 36. And, and you're often infantilized in public, and you were telling me examples about that, like, about the aquarium, the thing that happened at the aquarium. Oh, like, how yeah. do you handle <laughs> that? Uh, can you sit, talk about that? And then also, like, how do you handle that in the moment? Because okay. you're funny, you sass. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, well, let's see. Um, so I've been given kids kids menus. Uh, people will talk to my assistant instead of talking to me. People talking to me like I'm five years old. Mm-hmm. People patting me on the head. People praying for me. The list goes on. If I feel the person is open to learning, my aide gently redirects them. Like, you can ask her a question. She's nonverbal yeah. and she can understand you. Um, and that, for the most part, helps people correct their behavior. Mm-hmm. But when it just gets really weird, I just laugh it off. Because mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes there's only so much you can do with individuals. Yeah. And it's not your responsibility to, like, fix how everyone's interacting. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. The whole thing about people praying, like, I've Carrie's talked to me about that or whatever, where, like, people come yeah. up and they're like, I'll pray for you for a miracle. And it's like, I'm, oh, Jesus, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. thank you. Like, uh, D-I, disability is about, is a is a like such a horrible thing you gotta mm-hmm. pray it away yeah, yeah. totally when and really it's knows. like natural it's a part of mm-hmm. nature to right disability mm-hmm. so it's like ridiculous yes and we all know prayer takes care of all of that yes so, of course yeah, that's why there's just no like more all... gun death yeah together. exactly <laughs> yeah it's all the prayer yeah <laughs> oh my god really doing it for us for sure yeah so like you've already done so much you know like you've worked on speechless you've created like the website where you're a sex educator like is there some stuff that you're still like hoping to tackle like some future goals you still have well in general i would just really love to keep growing my sex education platform cripping up sex with eva uh and try to make it more into a full-time job i do workshops about sex and disability both in person and online and i have two blogs in which i answer questions uh that people ask anonymously about sex and disability and give sex advice and i have another where i review the accessibility of different sex toy designs. Huge. Yes. So if I could keep doing that and actually get paid a little more for it, that would be really (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. This has been so interesting. Yeah, thanks for having me. So where can people find you Mm -hmm. and follow your work? Um, Well, pretty much every social media is under Cripping Up Sex or Cripping Up Sex with Eva. So like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon are really the main ones. And you can also check out um, everything on crippingupsexwitheva.com. I love it. Yes. Highly recommend the Instagram. Awesome. Very, very good and informative. <laughs> Definitely. 
Next up, we'll be playing hypotheticals with our producer, Melissa. Oh. Her final, her final. <laughs> Don't t- even say it. Okay, it's I'm so sorry. sad. It is too sad. So we have some upsetting news. Uh, this is going to be Melissa's last episode with us as our producer. I got fired. No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> have you been planning to say that the whole time? I have. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Allison are horrible bosses, and we've fired <laughs> Melissa. And then made her still come on the show and talk about it. <laughs> Honestly, we we keep losing producers. <laughs> I think it's probably us at this point. Um, I know that it's not, but it seems like it is. Yes. No. I'm, I was always going to be a temporary producer. So. I know, but sometimes, you know, it's like when you start, like, casually hooking up with someone, and you're like, maybe I'll turn them into my girlfriend. <laughs> that's oh, what we were hoping, that's but... That's honestly well. what I was hoping for. It's um, fine. She won't commit. Uh, <laughs> I'll still be around. Uh, yeah, we still expect you to come to every <laughs> recording. Uh, but in honor of her last episode, uh, we wanted you to play hypotheticals with us. Yeah. You're, you're scared. You're nervous. I am nervous. Okay. So normally you get to see these ahead of time. I know. That's what I'm nervous about. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a sneak peek, but no, nope. no, I didn't even email them to you. Nope. <laughs> okay, Melissa, our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. While listening to your significant other's podcast, <laughs> perfect, you learn that they hooked up with their co-host as they talk about it on air. When you confront them, they explain it was just for the podcast, so the two hosts would seem like they have natural chemistry. But they didn't actually hook up? No, they did. But oh. they did it for the podcast. Oh, my God. They didn't realize you listened to their podcast, and they thank you for being so supportive. Oh, my God. Would you stay with this cheater? When did the hookup happen? Yeah, were we together when the hookup happened? Yes, that's why it's cheating. Okay. how long have you and them been together? Um, Eight months. And how long have they known the co-host? Four months. They didn't ask my permission. They never expressed to me that they were interested in the co-host. No, because you haven't ever really wanted to talk about their podcast. Okay. And they didn't. Is the podcast good? It's um, it's for a niche audience that you're not a part of. Okay, but I listen to it. Uh, just to be supportive. Okay, and and, and they weren't ever gonna tell you. No. Uh, yeah, I gotta go. Uh, hold on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Melissa's got more questions. Oh wow. Um, do they still have feelings for each other, or do they even have feelings for no, each other? No, they've never had feelings for each other. Okay, I'd stay. Wow. <laughs> For that money. Oh my god, I guess I'm not polyamorous <laughs> enough. Well, I I like Melissa's answer and I accept it. <laughs> Our next game, are you a terrible parent? Your five-year-old has terrible gas and always gets embarrassed. Aww. You convince your child that only they can hear their own farts. Oh no. So there's nothing to be embarrassed about. For years, your child openly farts in public unaware that other people can hear it. They are now married and happy, but have only been able to keep jobs where they work from home. Are you a terrible parent? What is the deal with this person's spouse? Uh, the person's spouse has just never mentioned it. Um, but, like, do they have any further issues? Like, do they have a dairy problem? Or is there foods they should not be eating? Great question. It's unclear because they've never gotten it checked out. That's your, on, the, on my 
my fault because I'm the parent. Yeah, though. you're a terrible parent. Oh, yeah, you're a yeah, terrible, you're a terrible parent because you should have taken them to the doctor. Oh, because your kid of, has some toots and no, they're they have terrible. In their life. Wait, you Christ- said it was terrible. Guess. Yeah, are you like a, some sort of Christian scientist who doesn't believe in the doctor? <laughs> I don't know. As someone who's gone to many gastroenterologists, there's not much you can do. Okay, but but we didn't try. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Okay, fine. Yeah. So you're a bad parent, and, and they have a wonderful wife. <laughs> I get, yeah. yeah, the wife is a saint. Yes. <laughs> okay, our final game. I'm so sad that you're leaving. Okay. <laughs> is this a date? You have to move across the country for a job, and your old roommate suggests you make the drive with their friend who was also moving. Hmm. You end up spending six full days with this person, and you decide to share motel rooms to save money. His name is Harry, and your name is Sally. Is this a date? <laughs> ah! Yes. Uh, yes. It's a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's is totally it? a date. You don't kiss. You don't kiss the whole time. No yeah, kissing. but it's like... But are you falling in love? If it's Sally and Harry, it's like, long, you're playing the long game. The long game, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you you have had sex multiple times. You just haven't kissed. <laughs> Wait, what? Like a prostitute. <laughs> Look, not everybody likes to kiss. Yeah, sometimes kissing's okay. extra. Is it like above the waist kissing that's just out, or is there below oh! the waist kissing that's similar? No, no lip action. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say it was a date, but it's not going well <laughs> yeah all right but the thing is is you end up moving in together because you find a good a good apartment okay but are you soulmates no but you do get married oh but they never go down on me no no well well that's you know <laughs> because that's why they're not your soulmate <laughs> they're not their soulmate and that's why together you make just a really gassy little kid <laughs> oh my god wow i love when the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> comes together <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for playing this, Melissa. We'll have you back in shortly to, to rate us on, okay. on and, your overall experience yeah. with us as podcast. And to say a proper goodbye. Yeah. I think we're going to cry and you'll be fine. <laughs> Stay tuned after the break. We'll be talking all about comedy and PC culture. Ugh. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It is time for topics. X, 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 Baby. Baby. Uh, so this week, we're going to talk about comedy in a PC world. Ugh. That's pretending that the world is PC, which Ugh. is not true. Um, I hate comedy. Okay, tell me more. Comedy is not funny. Okay. And, and so, I, so what is your definition of comedy, just so I know what your point of view? Great. Um, um, All of it. Okay, I don't like, this is hard to say because there are stand-up comedians that I do like. But stand-up comedy in general is, is everyone acts like it is this like untouchable like art form that is so uh, like, oh, it, it, it's it's beyond rules. It's like, it, it, you know, whatever. And I, it's just uh, largely it's not good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to give context about why we're talking about this, um, online there's been a lot of discussion about like, what's appropriate to make jokes about, right? And so a lot of comedians have kind of vocalized that, like, they feel like because of this PC culture, they can't make the jokes that they would normally get to make. You know, like, their homophobic, racist, <laughs> sexist jokes. Which, by the way, they PC really culture, make. PC culture is literally just, like, don't be an asshole. Yeah, it's, uh, and so, like, you know, 
there's like kind of two sides to this this war on comedy. One being, I'm a comedian. I should be able to say anything that I want about any topic that I want. The whole point of comedy is p- to be prov- provocative. Sure. It's not the same thing as just saying it in conversation. It's comedy. Okay. And then the other side is like, that's not true. <laughs> the <laughs> thing like, is, here's yeah. the thing. You... Free speech applies only to the government, which everyone uses the terms free speech as if it applies to private organizations or to interpersonal relationships. And it does not. It is a, a for, it is that the government cannot silence different opinions. OK, mm-hmm. so you're already using free speech wrong. It One. means it's not illegal, but that doesn't mean that it's not wrong. Yes. And two, uh, in a speaking purely in a capitalist society, we work on supply and demand. Right. If you're an artist and you create something. You're allowed to say whatever you want. You just have to deal with the fallout. You just have to be ready for people to go, we don't like that. Exactly. And they're not. They're little piss babies. And they can't handle it. So they're like, I, not only do I want to be able to say what I want, I want everyone to love me for saying it. And that second part, you don't get to control that. Look, like, I I love jokes. I'm like, I people can make jokes about me. And if they're funny, I'll laugh, even if I, I'm deeply wounded. But, like, so rarely these jokes that are, like, at the at the center of these controversies are actually funny. It's 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 lazy joke writing. It's like relying on like this like punch down comedy. Attack. Like attack Boring. comedy. Um, and it honestly, to me, when you do that, like when you say your racist joke and you say your sexist joke, like it kind of just like re- feels, reads as anger to me. Yeah. You know, like you have to like attack this marginalized group. And it's like, why? And I also just think that this idea that something has been a certain way for a long time means that it should be that way forever is just flawed thinking. Oh, huge. You know, like the fact that like, what, in the 70s and 80s, I could say all these things and nobody cared. That doesn't mean that that's still okay. (laughs) Also, here's the thing. People did care. They did care. You just didn't listen to them. You just didn't listen to them and they didn't have any way, uh, they didn't have a platform and they didn't have any way to talk about it. I, I, it was very fascinating um, because so many people point to Eddie Murphy's Raw as like an example of like, that's one of the best specials ever. And he was allowed to say whatever he wanted. And that's like a, you know, a diamond level special, right? Then they get an interview with Eddie Murphy recently. And he was like, oh yeah, when I recorded Raw, I was an asshole. (laughs) And I was like, and now what, now what are you going to use as your example? Or like they, that interview that was going around with George Carlin being like, you shouldn't punch down. An interview with George Carlin from like the eighties where he was like, yeah, you shouldn't punch down. And, and so punch down is a term that's like you're in a position of power and you're punching people that are below you. So like if you're a celebrity, like attacking a random regular person. Yeah. Or if you're um, a cis person attacking a trans person. Right. Like these gods that they have built up as being these people who are untouchable comedians who they say like, well, they got to say whatever they wanted. Those people actually were like, no, are now coming out and being like, no. Also, like. Let's look at priorities. Let's pretend for a second that, like, your racist joke is actually very funny. We're pretending. Okay. Does that mean that that's what you want to put out in the world? Like, do you want to, like, keep that going, keep that narrative being something mm-hmm. people talk about, something people laugh about? Like, continuing the, like, the hacky jokes that, like, are super offensive that were, like, on Friends mm-hmm. because that was, like, however long ago, you know, like, right. or do you want to like work towards a better society where people don't automatically make a gay joke because they aren't seeing their comedians do that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you have a direct line to like influencing the way people talk and our vernacular and our entertainment. And you want to use that power to like maintain racism, sexism, homophobia. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a bad person. I think especially right now, 
in like what's going on in the world. Uh, like there's literal like Nazis at the helm. Like let's let's attack that. You know what I mean? Right. Like I I just like I don't think you're not that speaking the, truth to power if you're going after people who don't have any power. Uh, yeah. I mean I think that that the overall point of like you can still do whatever you want. But you have to deal with the ramifications and also just like I think it's so it's such bullshit to attach themselves to this higher this higher issue of like making a racist joke and then being like but comedy. You know it's like shut up. Like you can't attach yourself to this like greater like this greater purpose or like attack you know it's like it's like these anti-abortion people being like but life is life and then like wanting the kids to die at the border like yeah you know like you don't actually care about the purity of comedy you just like want to be able to say whatever joke you think is funny yeah and like you can say that but guess what i'm I'm gonna unfollow you on twitter i'm not gonna watch your special and that's capitalism. Exactly. And, like, it just comes down to just because you, like, made something, you're not owed everyone to be like, this was amazing and we love everything that you do. Ugh, but imagine how nice it would be if that was true. Well, then you're Beyonce. Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> want to come on in and say your final goodbye along with your thoughts? Oh, God, I'm so sad. So what do, what do we think? I'm going to give this a perfect 10. <gasps> We've Yay! achieved it! <laughs> Finally! Woo! Finally! Wow. Now we can stop the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it ends with me. <laughs> wow. And that was your plan all along, wasn't it? Uh, what, how would you rate working with us overall? Um, <laughs> um, wow. Do you, you were supposed to do something. Do you remember what you were supposed to do? No, what? You're supposed to hook me up with Oh, somebody. my God. So I'm going to oh. take off, off points for that. <laughs> you know what it is? I only know single women. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know. I don't know any men. Yeah. <laughs> None at I, all. Wait, I might know a man. No, I don't know if he's single. <laughs> I'm going to write down some men that I know. Hold on. So I'm going to write 9.5 for that. Wow. Yeah, I, but it would have been a 10. But also, here's the thing. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop looking. That's true. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to find you, I'm going to look for some men. Okay. I don't know any, but I'm going to find them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've, I've really loved working with you guys, um, and it's been great, and I'm going to miss you. Oh, I know, I'm we're going to miss you too. too. Such a bummer. But it was just like, you know, better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. all. Yeah. What was everyone's funniest part of the episode? Um... I just thought the whole thing was just fun. Yeah. Um, it's my, my aunt had cerebral palsy, and so this was just, like, great to have someone else on and, and, and hear her story and the differences between her and my aunt. So I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved her. Uh, it was great. I liked when she – I loved the story of her just trying to have casual sex. And right. Then, and then three years later, it's her, like, serious partner. <laughs> And the, and the and the colons too. Oh, the I love the semicolon. It's so good. Oh my god, the semicolon. Yeah. We have to steal that. It's incredible. It is perfect. Before we do our sign off, what is one final piece of advice you'd love to leave our listeners with? <laughs> oh, please. Uh, to keep listening to the show and tell you all your friends. Oh, and that's why we love Melissa. So sweet. <laughs> much to Eva Sweeney for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer for the final time is Melissa D. Motz. Woo! 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. I miss you already. Goodbye, Melissa. Bye. Miss you too. 
Stitcher.